So last Sunday, um, I, I preached myself in pain by the time I got home Sunday afternoon. And, and listen, I, I, love, I love that style. Um, that's what ministers to me. And it's fun and it's good and it's a, it's a spiritual shot. We call that a spiritual shot of adrenaline if you were here last week. And, and I love the powerful like, I love the mountain of God moments, like Moses on the mountain, so close to God that his face shone with the glory of Shekinah. Come on, you understand? I love, I love the mountaintop moment. The problem is the people weren't on the mountain with Moses. See, Moses had to come down off the mountain. And we cannot forget that God is as practical as he is powerful. And so today, we're going to come down off the mountain just a little bit. But Jesus is still with us. Thought that would get an amen or three. So this morning, we want to talk practically to you. We had a, a lot of different ideas of what to call this. We thought about calling it Jesus in the small things, confessions of some church leaders. We want to give you something to take home. But today we want you to understand more than anything, this is not a stage full of church leaders. It's just a stage full of children. It's a stage full of people who have problems and who have a hard time trusting God sometimes. We have a lot of different seasons of life. I won't just assume that everybody knows. We have Micah is our media director. He's also one of our Bible college students. Pastor Leticia, you may have heard of her a couple of times. I love to hire people that outsing me. Come on, somebody. It keeps me humble. Miss Janita Morris, one of our small group leaders and a spiritual pillar in this house. I'm, I'm coming back. Uh, pastor Weston is our student and connections pastor here on the end, one of the greatest student ministries in the state. And then, of course, Pastor Dylan, our discipleship pastor, who holds down all things small groups, freedom groups, and overseas. Our SUM Bible College, and we've got some other staff members um, that serve here and, and are paid here. Um, one of them is not sitting next to me, but she is my most valuable and least expensive staff member of all, my bride, Megan Fry. She is my creamer and my coffee. Come on, somebody. And I don't even like creamer, but I like honey. <laughs> I hope all the children are in the children's rooms. That's why we have children's ministry. Hey, so last week, part of my testimony and the story was what God had begun to do, actually, I believe, in the fast a couple of years ago. God spoke to you and took you on a journey, and then he started saying things to you. Just share the story. Okay, so just during this season, it's not like I'm going Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, it's on. Yeah, it's on, girl. You're going to have to put it up to your mouth, though, a little bit. Can you bit. hear me? Okay, yeah. I can hear myself now. <laughs> so during this season, of course, uh, just learning to hear God's voice amongst the distraction, amongst the, all the voices and the things that people think that pastor's wife should do or the, the title that, that we carry and things like that. 
And so, I, it, yes, it was about two years ago during the fast, and I was just really seeking the Lord, and Lord, what is my purpose? Like, yes, I am my husband's greatest cheerleader, and I'm right there by his side, but I mean, I'm just, I don't want to preach. I don't want to be up here. I really don't. Um, I hate getting the microphone, honestly. <laughs> and, uh, but God said, I heard him say, it is, there's more in you. And I was like, like waiting, like you're going to tell me what's next, right? But that was it. That was all that I heard in my spirit. There's more in you. And I was like, all right, good talk. So that was two years ago. All right. So just, just letting God show me yeah. and just being fulfilled by the season that he had me in yeah. and the small things and the day-to-day and the opportunities that he gave me in ministry. Because I, I love one, one-on-one. I love discipleship, um, just things like that. And then fast forward, we went to a pastor's conference um, in September of 2020. And there was a lady speaking, and she was speaking specifically to pastor's wives. And she said, you know, y'all, you're always, you're always the greatest support of your husband, but you have a purpose, and there's more in you. And so when she said that, God brought back to remembrance what he had told me two years ago. And my spirit just kind of leaped when she said that, there's more in you. And then the next thing I heard in my spirit, and if that sounds weird and you don't know what I mean, like God's speaking to you, the idea just like blared in my head and I was not thinking of it in any way. And I heard, start a school. Did you hear that? Girl behind me. I was making sure the lady behind me, you know, you got the wrong person. And so, of course, I began to, you know, argue with God as to why I was inadequate why all my insecurities and things that he has not gifted me with in administration, I'm a procrastinator, I'm not well communicated, all these things, I just, just laid it all out, and I just felt him just kind of smile, and then the, the speaker said, write it down, whatever God has placed in your heart, I want you to write it down, I said, I don't want to write it down, so <laughs> I wrote it down, and I just wrote, um, plan of school, God's vision, bigger than me, scary face. That's literally on the card. So, and then she said, all right, now go find somebody and say it out loud because it's not going to come true until you tell somebody and you confess it. So, of course, I went to my sister-in-law and Pastor Lydia, and I said, and and I just handed them the card. And, uh, And they're like, yay! And I was like, no! So, I came home and I just started plowing. I started calling people that could give me direction I didn't know where to start, but I knew that I had to start somewhere. So I began to call people that I knew that did. And um, I started praying, obviously. And God just showed me that when I said yes, he had already been orchestrating the steps. And so things began to fall into place that I didn't even know that needed to fall in place. And he began to put people in my life that I didn't know that I even needed in my life, but that gave me direction. And so what that showed me is when I said yes, the seeds that he had planted a year, bef- a year ago, because when Chris kind of just, he told the vision of the school, and again, I was like, I didn't know he was going to do that. And so when he said it out loud, I was like, I was like thinking like two years from now, you know, something like that. Give me some time. And, I believe um, in you. <laughs> but teachers began to come to me, like God yeah. sent them to me, because he had already put those seeds in their heart. And one in particular, she had written on a card a year ago, last January, on her prayer card, and she said, New Hope opening a school, and she circled it. And she had been praying that. And so when Chris mentioned that, 
I mean, she, she came right to me, and she'll be teaching in the fall of 2021. So it's just, it was awesome because that was the specific thing that I was praying for God to reveal, like staff. Um, because by no means did I think that teachers were going to quit their job, give up their health insurance, give up their retirement to start a school that does not exist yet, okay? <laughs> and so I knew that was going to take a huge step of faith on their part, but Again, God had already began to orchestrate and began to plant those seeds. And it took me saying yes, even when I was afraid, even when it didn't make sense, knowing that <laughs> it wasn't going to be anything that I did because I was completely inadequate. But he's using my inadequacies to make a difference. And all I had to do was just say yes and listen to his voice step by step. Already had it planned. So if it doesn't work out, it's God's fault. <laughs> And just to just to, uh, to add to you, we already have over forty applications, and you've been our teachers have been interviewing students and parents over the last two Saturdays, and be beginning to prepare. Like it's not an idea anymore; it's in the works and coming to pass in Jesus' name. So, Miss <laughs> Janita, um, a, a, a different season, the grandparent season. You didn't kill your children. Congratulations. <laughs> So now you have grandchildren, and you have a, a latest addition, a three-week-old. Come on, all the grandparents, praise Jesus a little bit. And it's so true. When you're a grandparent, you just love it. It's just the best <laughs> thing in the whole world. I used to hear people tell me that all the time, and I just thought, oh, what are they talking about? I mean, you know, surely not, but it's true. You can love them and you just believe them. That's awesome. Love them and leave them. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea what that's like. and I'm actually really praying for the rapture of the church before I do... <laughs> No. Hey, so we're talking about steps of faith, finding Jesus in the small things. There were some significant challenges in 2020, and there was a burden in your heart for some ministry, and you weren't even sure how to really make it happen. Can you talk us through that story? What was God doing in you? Well, to make a long story short, I guess, it's what it amounted to is that, um, first of all, it started when I was married for 39 years, and uh, my husband and I, we um, actually raised our children to the best of our knowledge and the works of the Lord, <laughs> you know, and you just move on from there. But we had a good life. And um, he passed away two years ago, and I made a choice. I could either sit there and just not do anything with my life or continue to run my business to the best I could and just come to church, sit on the pew, you know, and just let Pastor Kip, Chris feed me. But... God doesn't want that, no matter how old you are. And um, so I prayed. I said, Lord, I don't really know what you can use me for. I um, don't know what I'm capable of. And uh, long story short is that they had small groups. So I signed up for one and began to take one under my wing. And when the crisis came with the pandemic, people my age, the first thing you do is Fear just overwhelms your heart to the point that it paralyzes you. And um, you hide away. You isolate yourself. You think if you hide along in the back and in the corner, nobody's going to give you the, you know, I won't even say it, the bad stuff, the COVID, you know. And you, that way you won't come to church and you won't see anybody and you won't talk to anybody. But that's not healthy. And uh, the Lord didn't want me to do that. And so... It began to develop, and um, when the moment arrived that we had to stop doing freedom classes, there were like 
only three classes that we had been able to do. Um, they announced to someone like me, who's 65, who's not computer savvy, I can assure you, uh, Mike is not hiring me anytime soon. <laughs> but when they announced to us that they were going to be using Zoom and GroupMe, I have to say I panicked. I, I literally panicked. I froze up. And it was like, I, I, I can't do that. I don't know how to do that. And besides, I have a business to run. And so I immediately picked up the phone and, you know, just bowed out. I said, I, I don't think I can do this. And Pastor Dylan says, well, why don't you pray about it? And so, of course, I went to bed and woke up the next morning. <laughs> well, he was not taking no for an answer. <laughs> but anyway, so I did. And after much weeping and crying and reminding God that, you know, my husband had just passed away and I was alone and I was running this business and all the mandates had been given to me as well, you know, being a landowner and all. And I was going to have to implement all this. How was I going to have time for a small group? When was I going to have time to do this? And then to learn Zoom. But anyway, that night the Lord did not leave me alone. And I woke up the next morning and this is the scripture that he gave me. Kind of corrected me with it actually. The Lord loves you. He corrects you. And I welcome it because I need it. It's Luke chapter 9, verse 62, and it says, Then Jesus declared. And when I read that, I think, you're fixing to talk to me, Lord. So it says, No one who puts his hand to the plow and then looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. And immediately I knew I had to call Pastor Dylan, and I did. And he said, Well, good. And I had to learn how to do Zoom. Well, that wasn't easy, but thank goodness we have good pastors on this staff. <laughs> so anyway, I learned. And then we went to all our little ladies, started including them in every one of the, the ladies that we knew that needed it, who had isolated themselves, and uh, went to their house. And we taught them how to do it. We hooked them up on the app with GroupMe, and we began to connect. And before you knew it, the gap had been bridged. There was no longer isolation. Hmm. We were not fearful anymore, and we had finally connected, and we didn't even have to walk in this church to do it. That was what was so amazing, because you have to remember, my age group, this is what church looked like. Coming to a building and yeah. letting your pastor set a table, and you just kind of feasting off of it. But now that was changing. And yeah. that's okay, because Jesus says he does a new thing every day. Yeah. And so we were having to change. We were having to adapt. And might I say, 33 ladies hopped onto this Zoom, and we had Bible studies, and some of the ladies we didn't even know. They don't even come to our church. In fact, I just met one yesterday for the first time, and she's been on Zoom for us probably six months. And I saw her face-to-face -face for the first time yesterday. Wow. So there were ladies of different denominations, and we had linked together, and we were studying the Gospel of John. We were having devotions every morning. We would send each other music. We would text periodically throughout the day. Um, constantly a word of encouragement. Yeah. And those boundaries began to close. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it was like that gap was getting smaller and That's smaller. And something powerful began to take place. We began to have a love for one another. We began to have a concern for one another. If someone was sick, which some did get the COVID, what did we do? We made soup. We put it in our car. We drove to their house. We set it on the porch, of course, and then we got back, you know. But, but the point is, is we met their needs. And there were other things, so you know. Good. And so 
I guess I just want to say that the group began to teach ourselves. We no longer depended on one person anymore. Wow. And we became a small little nucleus of what the church really should be. Yeah. And today we have a bond, a sisterhood that is just amazing. And I thank God for the scripture that says that you will know my disciples when they have love for one another. Because when we are together, yeah. the love of Jesus abounds all. Mm. And um, I just want to leave you with this challenge. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter if you're unable to learn. You can always say, I need help. Yeah. And there's somebody that's going to give you a hand. Yeah. So. I don't know how. Come on, praise Jesus. I don't know how, but I'll do it. I don't know how, but I'll do it. That was, that was both of those. We're just a stage full of children that don't know how, but we'll do it. And we need a church full of children that don't know how, but they'll do it. See, when we made an idol out of being able to come to church, God allowed it to be taken away and began to teach us how to actually become the church. And now that we're becoming the church, there's way more ministry taking place. See, Sunday morning should just be a celebration of all the ministry by all the ministers that is being done throughout the week. And if you just, I can't hire enough people to do what God wants to do in your house, on your street, in your neighborhood, in your community. I can't can't bring enough people in and pay them to become part of the body. And the body is only a whole if everybody part is doing their role. That what that's what church is is looking like now, and, and that's what it's got to continue to look like. Or it doesn't matter if we don't if we get seven hundred people here on a Sunday, if they're not in a small group, then we're not calling it success anymore. And and we can't get them in a small group if we don't have enough small group leaders. And we can't have enough small group leaders if we've got too many people saying, I don't know how and I'm not going to. But when we got some people that say, I don't know how, but I'll do it, God can use that. God can use that. Hey, to the, uh, to the millennial chair down on the end, come on. Um, Micah brought Micah on staff in the middle of the pandemic. And At he the had beginning, the first week of the pandemic. No idea what he was doing. No idea. So he became a fast learner as well. But, but that wasn't the challenge. And, and there's, there is one. There's a foot soldier, uh, I believe, probably the greatest. It's a silent assassin on this generation. What is the greatest challenge in your heart? Yeah, being asked that question and speaking about this, uh, this series that we're in, and specifically this Sunday when, when we were talking about this during creative meeting, the, the first thing that comes to mind for, for this generation are, and even the surrounding generations, it can be only yeah. for my generations, but it really impacts everybody, is the pursuit of purity. That's one of the biggest foot soldiers that this generation is facing up to date, and it's because, this, it's because society is open about it. They promote it. Hey, hey, do this. Hey, do that. And impurity is promoted. And its biggest defense is that it's not talked about in the church. The church has refused to talk about this the silent assassin, as, as he said. So let's talk about it. I got some statistics over here. We're just going to sit back. Uh, I'm going to be conscious of little ears. I'm going to try my best. Um, 50% of high school teens have, have had a sexual experience. 50%. 93% of boys and 62% of girls are exposed to pornography before the age of 18. And to be honest, 93% and 62%, just, just being out of high school for about two years now, that was surprising that it was so low. 
in my opinion. I was like, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was higher than that. I need, to re- yeah. I need to check this statistic and make sure it's right. And then the, the final one, and in my opinion, the most shocking one, is the average age of exposure to pornography is 11 years old. Mm. 11 years old. It, reading this, these statistics, and I'm sure hearing it, it's heartbreaking. But if it breaks your heart, why aren't we talking about it? If we're, willing to, if we're willing to listen to Pastor preach through the month of February about, about singleness and about purity and about uh, how you achieve that, why aren't we talking about it? Uh, the, it it's bit, like I said, its biggest defense is that like the church is silent about it, but society isn't. And when, when the society is louder than the church, we got a problem. So the church needs to be loud. And, and from my specific testimony, it isn't until... I brought my pastors in. It isn't until I had friends and people in my life who were willing to love me but not be impressed by me and be my accountability to, to, to hold me to what I say I believe and hold me to the standards of my life. It's not until I found accountability that purity was even attainable. It was impossible without those people in my life. When we were, when we were speaking about this, um, the first story that came to mind, and there's many stories, if you look at Joseph with Potiphar's wife, if he, sh- if he wasn't there, uh, that probably wouldn't have happened. But this, specifically, the story that I thought about is when Jesus is carrying up this cross, and he's going up the mountain, and he reaches this place where he's physically too weak to, to continue carrying this cross. And, and the guards go and grab this random person in the crowd named Simon. And Simon helps him carry the cross. And to go with the series, you can't, it, it isn't until you find someone to help you that momentum is, is achieved. It isn't until you find accountability and people in your life who are willing to be honest with you and be your friend. Because if, if your friend says they love you, then they'll hold you what you say you believe. Yeah. If people say you, they love you, then they'll make sure that you, say, that you act by what you, what you believe in. And accountability is only achievable, or purity is only achievable through accountability. Yeah, husbands and wives need to be having these conversations. I'll just be really blunt today. If, if you're one of the, the ladies, mothers, or wives, and you think, oh, well, my son, my husband, he's not doing it. You're an idiot. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm being as transparent as possible. It, it's, it's, well, naivety accepted is, is, is stupidity. So I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this generation, and I don't mean like an age group, I'm telling you, in the church, outside of the church, these conversations, when Micah says we need to be talking about it, it's not at church, it's as the church. You need to be having these conversations with the young men and young women in your life. You need to be having these conversations with your significant other. You need to be having these conversations with somebody that is in spiritual authority with you or over you. And again, I don't have enough staff members to hold everybody in this church accountable. We've got to have the conversations. It has to happen. Pastor Letitia, there's an undue pressure, and it's not biblical, it's cultural. Tell us the undue pressure that you experience as a young woman. Man, oh man. So the pressure that I feel, guys, is singleness. <laughs> and many of y'all can relate to that. Um, but I just want to let you know something. Singleness is one of the most important times of your lives, ladies and gentlemen. It's a time, just trying to make a lot of situation, it's a time where you're not responsible for anybody else except yourself. Come on, somebody, <laughs> accept yourself. <laughs> you don't have to worry about having a curfew, having to ask permission or so, but still, 
Sorry, uh, my friends can relate. But still, it's the most important time of your life, not only with that, but also it's a time where the Lord is developing you. He's, he's creating yeah. you to who he's called you to be during that time. And I had to realize that, well, actually, I had to, it took me a long time to realize that. Um, and one of the things that I struggled in my singleness season was being owning my role as a pastor in my singleness and then also being part of an incredible staff of pastoral teams that are in a different season than I am. Really, they really are. And then let me tell you guys, to be a little bit vulnerable, a little confession, these are my confessions. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to do it. I had to do it. Y'all know. But anyways, just, yeah, just to be a little bit vulnerable, um, doing ministry as a single person can be a struggle, guys. It really can. And one of the things that I have to face as well is having people telling me, hey, T, when are you going to get married? You're in your late 20s, girl, if you know what I'm talking about. But I'm like, first of all, I didn't even ask you for that. I just said, how are you? Come on. Anyway. Just trying to be a friend. <laughs> but that's all funny. And, but in all sincerity, I do want that best friend, Pastor. I want, I want to have that spouse one day who can do ministry with me and who can just do life with me. Um, but I just want to tell you guys this. Um, the enemy, he uses these tactics. He uses these distractions. First of all, um, the enemy, he twists what God ordained to be a season of undivided devotion to the Lord. He twists it, guys, and he uses it to be a season of distraction. We get distracted by what people may have that I don't have. We get distracted by social media of comparison. And God did not meant that to, you know, he didn't meant that for you in your life of, of singleness at the moment. Um, it says right there in Corinthians, Paul says, I'm saying this to you for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in the way that's right and undivided to the Lord. And single people, I want to tell you guys this, your state of singleness is important to you, but only, but also it's important to God. He wants to give you vision. He wants to give you purpose during this season of your life. And he wants you to know who you are without the person right now. Because if you don't right. know that, single people, listen to me. If you don't know that, then you will be spending all your time needing someone to validate who God created you to be. So he wants you to value your season of singleness, single people. It's it. Come on. <laughs> it, it's idolatry to look for somebody to fill a void that only Jesus is supposed to fill. And, and I, I've made the mistake of saying, hey, you know, your singleness is as valuable as my marriage. But it's not, it's not true. Biblically, your singleness is more valuable to God than, yeah. than even my marriage is. According to that scripture that Paul was referencing, he understood. Now, now Paul was a covenanted celibate. But there are, there are some times where people are just dedicated to that for that season. And they believe, I believe you said it a couple of days ago, as Dr. Evans, Tony Evans, said it's learning to be content where you are now so that God can fulfill you with what's next. And, and I just, as a divine echo, your value is not based on who you marry or who you do not marry. Your value is based on who you are in Christ. And until you learn to be content in Christ, there's not a man, woman, or child that God can put on this earth that would fill the void that only he is supposed to fill. It's him that has to fill the void. And by the way, that's why so many marriages break apart. Because they make idols out of one another, and they never learn how to be content in Christ. And because they never learned how to be content in Christ, they can't learn how to be content in one another because their contentment can't be found in a person. 
That's not God's answer for you. So whether it's singleness because of a, a season or singleness because, of, uh, uh, because it's later in life or whatever the circumstance, even, even down to divorce, I'm telling you, your singleness is not a curse. It's a calling. And God has a specific purpose for it. Hey, young and married, young and married, discipleship pastor, first full-time staff position. What are some of the challenges in this season? Be a child of God, not just a church leader for a minute. Yeah, so we, me and my wife, Sierra, we moved here um, in June of 2019. So we've been here a little over a year and a half, and and I've uh, been in Bible college before that and then serving part-time at a church uh, in the years leading up to that. And so we moved here. Um, it was the first time she moved away from her family and, and started a first-time uh, full-time ministry position and, and just all of this change and, and this newness. And then uh, when we got here, a week after we were here, um, Sierra was pregnant. She went into labor with our son, Landry. And uh, some of you may know the story, some of you may not. Uh, not to go into too much detail, um, we realized quickly there was complications, and uh, before he turned two months old, he passed in the hospital. And so now we've, we're, we're in this new place for only two months. I didn't even get a chance to settle in. I've been to maybe, I'd been to like one week of work and still didn't really know everybody, and she's away from her family for the first time. We went back and forth to the hospital and just all of this craziness, and, and I found myself really questioning, like, is, like, what happened to God's goodness? Like, my definition of God's goodness just got, like, shattered. I thought growing up in Sunday school with the little, you know, picture cards and told the stories of, of Daniel and, and the, the lion's mouth being shut at the last moment and, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego not getting burned up in the fire. And, and, and God's goodness was that he would come through even at the last minute and you wouldn't see harm and you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be hurt. But now I have been hurt and I have seen harm. And it's one thing to know who Job is. It's another thing to experience some of the things that he went through and really see, okay, where is my definition of, of God's goodness coming from? Was it from what I thought and, and what I had been told, or was it from God's word? And so I really went on this journey of, okay, people are coming into my office and, and pouring out their heart and looking to me and asking me questions, and, and I'm in the same boat that they are. How do I, how do I help someone find hope and, and guidance and, 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 and truth and when I'm looking for all of the same things myself? So that was a real struggle for me for a while, and, and I just began to, to seek after God and ask him, God, if I, if I had to go through this, if I had to experience this, then don't waste it. Don't let it be wasted, but God, use it. And he started to show up in, in more ways than I could even, even list here if we had all the time in the world. But on that journey, I had to ask myself, okay, is God's goodness because uh, that what he can save me from, or is it because he already saved me? Yeah. Do I serve God because he can provide healing and protection and deliverance and freedom, or is it because he's God? Yeah. Am I in it for something, or am I in it for him? And so on that journey, discovering that question, I really began to find who I was in God even in that and discovering uh, who God was for me. So you said earlier something about God giving his only begotten son yeah. so, so that you could be saved. And we yeah, know I was going to share it at the end, yeah. but I'll share it now. Well, go ahead. Go so, do it now and then, re yeah, then okay. let it echo so, again. <laughs> so, so part of that prayer of God, like, don't waste this, but God use this, one of the things that uh, I used to think all the time you'd hear, uh, especially some of the senior saints, that, you know, the best thing God ever did for me was save me. And I, I knew, like, biblically and theologically that was true, but I was like, 
man, like some financial provision or some other miracles, man, that'd be pretty cool too, you know? But then whenever I experience the loss of my son who I didn't want to lose, and I began to think about the fact that while I was a sinner and while I was lost in, in my own ways, God literally gave his only son for me. And I began to like realize like how powerful that really was. And I hate that it took me to go through that to understand that. But that's how good God is that he's going to even use something like that to reveal, reveal himself to you. The cliche saying there is people will come in, and in the, especially in the middle of a loss, and, and they mean well. They're really just trying to say something kind, but they'll come in, well, you know, everything happens for a reason. And that's such, that's, that's, I believe it's a lie from the enemy. It's not biblical. Everything doesn't happen for a reason. We live in a fallen world around fallen people, and you can see things happen in Scripture, and the Bible clearly says, and the Lord was not in it. There are some things that happen because of a fallen world and fallen people that there is absolutely no reason for. What we do believe is we serve a God that's big enough to bring reason to any situation and that he can work it out, and God doesn't waste anything. God doesn't waste anything. There's not a loss, a moment, a lesson that God doesn't use for his glory and his purpose. Pastor Weston, the first shall be last, and the last shall be, well, today last. But you go ahead. You go ahead. <laughs> Season of life, man, about yep. to have your third baby. Give it up for girl dad. Come on, a special anointing. God trust you special, man. So glad your wife makes money. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, we're, we're, we're in a very, very busy season of life, you know, we're about to have our, our third, our third baby, third girl, um, quarantine baby, hey, we're gonna go play so. golf, in the park. <laughs> need, need something to keep me busy, anyway, um, but many of you, you, you probably can relate, right, because last year was, last year was tough, last year, I mean, things just got hectic really quickly, um, for, for us, many of you know our, our story, but last year we were trying to buy a house and sell a, sell a house in a pandemic for some reason. Thanks. <laughs> uh, but it, it was tough. And then we find out we're having our third child and we're trying to find a school for our little girl to go to, which we live right next to Glendale Elementary, which is awesome. But then she's going to go to ECA. Hey. So very... <laughs> Very, very excited for that. So there's all these questions, and, and life is just busy. Life is just chaotic. Oftentimes, life is in the air, and we don't know what's going on. We, we, Kelsey and I both have full-time jobs, and, and so many of you can relate to, to those things. But I remember when, when all of this was happening, and we were preparing for this conversation, I remember hearing the word balance. Balance. And, and I looked at the life of Jesus, and I was looking for just a chapter where he was just busy. He was just constant. And I found this out in Luke chapter 5. Watch this. This is what Jesus does. He preaches to a large crowd. He tells Simon to throw his nets on the other side of the boat. He heals a man with leprosy. No big deal. Uh, he heals a paralytic man, the guy that was lowered from the roof. That, that story, that's in Luke chapter 5. He eats with Levi, the tax collector, and a bunch of sinners, and then gets judged and has this debate with the Pharisees, and then it continues and pours over in chapter 6. 
And so Jesus is constantly doing all of these things. But watch what happens in verse 12. One of those days, Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray, as he always does. And he spent the night praying to God. And what I've found is that Jesus, he never poured out of an empty tank. Church, we can't pour out of ourselves if we don't have anything in us. If we're not plugged up into the source. And he went away. He prayed constantly. And I want to tell us this, church, that a constant going lifestyle must be balanced by a constant praying lifestyle. Because let's be honest, the pace that we live in, the society that we live in, is hustle. Our government is headstrong. Our news is hypocritical. Let's, let's be real. And, and tensions are high. And we're all just supposed to be happy. But, but here's the thing. God never called us to be happy. He called us to be holy. And so our pursuit of holiness is not just going to come out of ourselves or society for that matter. It's going to come out of him. And so if we're not going to the source who is the provider of our happiness and our holiness and our righteousness, then, then we are doing this in vain. We are going at a pace that we cannot sustain without That's him. Good. Yeah. We, are, we are literally running. We're, we're trying to make it on our own. We're trying to buy a house on our own. We're trying to have babies on our own. We're trying to find the guidance and the wisdom and the direction on our own. And we're not going to the one who provides the direction and the guidance. Listen, last year, Kelsey and I asked all of these questions. How are we going to find a good school for our babies? How are we going to find a good house? How are we going to, how are we going to do the things that we need to do? How, how do we pastor teenagers when we can't get on the school campus? Yeah. Right? We had to try to answer the question of how do we plug in people into our church that can't gather physically? How are we going to do that? Listen, we don't find those answers out unless we're going to the person that gives those answers. Or the, oftentimes the person who is the answer. Yeah. And that's Jesus. And so we're searching and we're seeking out so many different things. We're searching and seeking and asking these questions. But he is the one who provides those answers. And church, I would encourage you, again, what are we doing to try to find those answers if we're not praying and going to God for them. So in closing, I'm going to give everybody 60 to 90 seconds to just give us something to take home. So if your neighbor's kind of dozing, bump them and say, hey, we're about to write some stuff down. Bump them. Bump them out of their slumber. Come on, tell them to wake up, church, and bump them and get them, tell them to get ready to write something. So first of all, we've seen two examples here. Again, where Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was overwhelmed by life in his physical body. He was 100% God, but he was 100% man. And he was tempted in every way, yet without sin. And we saw two times what Jesus did to handle the hardship of this life. And so we want to give some take-homes. Because we're going to be a follower of Jesus, we should look like him. We should live like him. And he shows us some examples of how we stay on track. What are some of those things? Yeah, you ready for this? It's going to, be, it's going to blow your mind. Pray every day. Really? Like every day, Pastor? Like every day. And the reason why I say that is because our general treasurer of the Assemblies of God, Choco de Jesus, he was asked, he's a pastor, and he was asked this question, 
Pastor, how do you keep up? How do you do all the things that you do? And, and he was quoted by saying this. He responded, I'm not a clown. I don't know how to juggle. I don't, I don't know how to balance anything. I prioritize and I fight to keep those priorities in the proper place. And I would echo that and add to it and say this. Balance is not a matter of trying to juggle all the things that we have going on. Balance is a matter of prioritizing prayer first. And church, how can I say that I love my bride if I don't ever talk to her? If I don't ever have conversation with her? I love her very much, but she's not going to make it if I'm just like, good morning, see you later, love you, bye, and that's it. And and the same is of the church, the bride of Christ. If we're not having conversations with him, we will not make it pray every day so for me i learned how to trust truly i thought i trusted god and and it was going back to pastor chris's illustration with the ladder my definition of trust was i believe god's there i believe who he is who he says he is but i had never really put my weight on it and uh, a few weeks into traveling back and forth to the hospital and doing all of this stuff I'm good at compartmentalizing things in my life. And so I noticed I was beginning to to disassociate myself with with really the whole situation. And I was there, but I wasn't there. And I was praying, but I wasn't really praying. And and, and I realized it's because I was was scared. And it wasn't that I was scared that God couldn't heal him. I was scared that God wouldn't. And I didn't want to really invest my emotional uh, energy and all that I had into these prayers. God, heal my son if it didn't happen. Because then what? Then what happens? If I really believe for this and I had enough faith and it doesn't happen, where do I go from there? How broken would I be? And then I realized, man, if I, if I trust God to heal him physically, then I should also trust him to heal me emotionally. I should trust him to heal me mentally, my, my heart. And so I, I just went in. I went all in. And through that, I, knew, I now know God more as a comforter and a healer than I ever would have if I wouldn't have really trusted him. If I wouldn't have put my weight on it and discovered who he was. Mine's short and sweet. Age is but a number. So whether you're young or old or in between, everyone has a ministry. Yeah. Pastor Letitia. Yes. So um, I just want to remind you this, my dear friends who are single. God has a purpose for singlehood. God has a purpose for your singlehood. That's why it's so important for you to understand and grasp that because he wants to use you where you are now. He doesn't yeah. wait to use you when you, he doesn't want to wait to use you when you find that spouse. Come he on. wants to use you now. Yeah. That's why this is so important. And then I just want to say this. I know a lot of single people, I know I may have felt this way before. Well, Pastor T, there's some areas in my life that aren't fulfilled. And come on, that's true. But that's why the Lord makes a big deal out of contentment. And there's, you know, we talked about him earlier, Apostle Paul. He was a single man in the Bible, and he had to learn. It says in Scripture that he had to learn the secret of life. And when he found out the secret of life is to be content, then he was okay where he was until the Lord gave him more. So I want to encourage you guys who are single here that, yeah, this is a waiting game, but you have to remember that the Lord wants more for you during this time. That's why it's so important to value where you are. And just like Dr. Tony Evans says, when you learn to be content where God has you, then you can deal with areas that aren't fulfilled yet. Yeah. So I just want to encourage you guys with that. 
Yeah, uh, James 5.16 says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Um, you, you, can, you can say, oh, it's just me and Jesus. I, I'm going to just do this alone. It's just me and Jesus. We're going to get over this addiction. It's just me and Jesus and my partner. Like We're going we're gonna to stop doing that. But the fact of the matter is, Pastor said it, if, if you and Jesus could just do it alone, you would have done it already. Because his word says right here that you find healing through confessing and praying for each other. Because you find forgiveness through confessing to the Lord and, and praying for forgiveness and asking and through repentance. But repentance isn't only isn't true until there's intent to change. So you find, conf- you find healing through comp- confession because when you repent to the Lord, there's intent to change and you set boundaries in your life and you have accountability in your life that, that, that's going to help you to, to be healed because um, I'm going to just leave you with this. You're only as strong as the boundaries you set. Yeah. You're only as strong as your accountability. You're only as strong as the things in your life that you have in place so that you won't go back to that right. thing and you won't run back to, to, the, to the impurity that you were living in. So, The level of obedience we display is a direct reflection of how we truly trust. So basically, if you're not willing to risk your reputation, if you're not willing to fail, <laughs> then how in the world will God ever be able to use you to show his reputation and show who he is. Because if we could do it on our own, (laughs) we don't need God. But he shows us that through our insecurities, through our inabilities, he can use that. He's using exactly, he's using my weaknesses right now to show his glory, to do his kingdom, to do his best. And so even out of fear, just walk in obedience. Listen to that still small voice. But you're never going to be able to hear his voice if you don't spend time with him, like Pastor Weston was saying. And it's not just a one-way conversation where you come to God, but it's where you listen. That is how you will experience fresh revelation, is through relationship with Christ, allowing him to speak to your heart, closing your mouth, (laughs) and just listening. Give him two minutes. Give him two minutes, and, and just hearing his voice, and allow him to speak into your life and your heart. What would our relationship be like if I never listened? If I never took the time to hear what she had to say, that's not a conversation, that's a sermon. In closing, I believe that we are two types of people. We're either children of God or we're potential children of God in the room right now. That's what this room is made up of. That's what our online congregation is made up of. And so the question is not just what, which one of those categories do you fit in. The question is, as a child of God, am I a child of God? And then secondly, as a child of God, am I discovering and fulfilling my role? Am I a part of the body? Or am I just around the body? Watching the body work or doing the work with the body? So here's what I want you to take home. Bump your neighbor again and tell him to wake up. Write this down. Read the Bible every day. Read the Bible every day. Why? Why am I saying every day? Because you're not going to do it. Hey, I don't do it either. Can I help you? You just feel better about yourself. I am better at telling you to do it than I am doing it myself. But my objective is every day. Why? Because I want to hit the majority. 
I want to live at least four days a week. I want to be spending time with Jesus by myself, reading his word. Because we said the word for this year was to know Jesus. And you can't get to know Jesus outside of his word because he is his word. And so when you open up your Bible and begin to read, you are literally listening to him. How can you ever, how can you ever do what he tells you to do if you're not listening to what he has to say? Book of Revelation says, blessed is he who hears and reads this word aloud. Read the Bible every day. The more you know about his word, the more you'll know about him. The more you know about him, the more time you'll spend with him. The more you'll learn to trust him. The more you'll learn to obey him. No matter your age or season of life. The more you'll learn how valuable you are as a child, whether you have a spouse or not. And you will pursue purity because you want to be with Jesus. And you know that impurity breaks your intimacy and you're not willing for that to be broken. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me today? I want to invite the followers of Jesus right now to take inventory. Lord, where can I grow? Where can I grow closer to you? What's my role? What's next? God, what's now? Where can I be more obedient? Where can I be more like you? I don't want to just say that I believe in you. I want to trust you. Use me. Show me. The power is in the seeking. God, I'll seek you with all of my heart and trust you to show me. If you're in the room right now or you're watching online, if you're not confident of who you are in Christ, today is your day. You're the reason that we're here. God brought you into this room. He brought you to this message to remind you of who he created you to be. And right now, we want to give you the invitation to receive salvation, to commit or really commit your life to Jesus for the first time or the first time in a long time. If that's you and you know last week your life did not represent your Savior then I want you to posture yourself, position yourself, open your hands right now to receive. And I want to invite you to begin to pray right where you are. Church, I want to ask you to pray with us. Pray loud so that anybody that needs to confess this out loud would have the confidence to do so because they know that they're not going after Jesus alone. Come on, let's pray this prayer together. Jesus, forgive me where I fall short. I've been disobedient, distracted, discouraged, even doubted. I confess you as Lord. I believe you gave your life so I could live. You died on the cross. You shed your blood. You paid for my sin, but you were raised from the dead so I could be born again, made new like you. I surrender all to you right now take my life make it yours i will follow you with all of my heart from this day forward i will obey i will trust i will become an example that impacts eternity in jesus name come on somebody celebrate with heaven today those who have committed hey we believe in the power of confession Come on, we believe even more in going and telling somebody.
Hey, the way that you let us know that you just made Jesus Lord or you committed or recommitted your life is just by texting us. Text, I believe right now, just text, I believe to 84576. Before you go today, if you're a guest with us, we want to relieve you of any pressure or obligation that may come here in just a moment. The only other thing that we ask of you is that you would fill out a connect card. If you had a prayer request, you can put your prayer request on there as well. But if you're our guest, fill out a connect card, drop that off in the welcome center on the way out today. Pastor Dylan's going to help us worship God with our giving and pray us out of here. Can we all stand together this morning? If you want to give, we give online at unischurch.com or the text number on the screen or an envelope in the seat back in front of you and drop that off in one of our offering boxes on the way out. I want to remind you, small group sign-ups start today, unischurch.com. If you need help, come find me after service. We have week of prayer this week, every morning, 6.30, right here in the sanctuary. We'll be praying. We ask that you join us. We have our Pray First bracelets, some new ones, some gray ones this time. In the back on the table, grab you one. If you have any children, you can check them out through this door on your way out. If you open your hands like, you're, like I'm handing you a gift, I want to pray a blessing over you. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be in your, in your presence this morning. God, I pray that you would continue to lift your countenance upon us and within us. Give us your peace. Everywhere that we would set our foot, you would have already been there preparing the way for us to be a divine reflection of who you are to those around us. God, I pray that you continue to strengthen us to meet the vision that you have given this house, which is to meet people and grow close to you together. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, And everybody said amen. Hey, love you guys. You'll have a great week.